Welcome to the Spiritual Teamwork Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crenshaw. Welcome back. I know I said last podcast I wouldn't do another podcast before 2021, but I got back from vacation and decided to do an end-of-the-year episode about goal-setting. Because, well, there are thousands of year-end episodes about goal-setting, so what's one more? I want this one to be different, though. I'm not against goal-setting. I have goals. I have goals for myself, I have goals for my family, and I have goals for my writing in this podcast. We can't see the future, and God doesn't reveal everything to us all at once. So these types of goals will change as we grow closer to Christ. What I want to do today is encourage us to take a step back, and instead of just setting goals for the new year that we want to accomplish for ourselves, we set goals that bring us closer to Christ. In fact, these aren't just goals. They can be our way of life, maybe. All right, well, let's get into it. Number one. Spend a little more time with Christ. I say spend a little more time with Christ because for me, spending time with Christ seems to take a back burner when I get busy or just find something else to do. You know, our growth isn't automatic. If we genuinely want to be mature Christians, we have to spend time with Christ. So one of the things I have recently adopted is the attitude that I can do anything for two minutes. And what I found is, that if I do something for two minutes, I'll continue longer, but I don't have to. Another way maybe to spend more time with Christ is to set an alarm for a couple of times a day to remind you to just say a quick prayer, something like, Thy will be done, or a simple thank you, just to keep Christ centered in your mind. What I don't want to encourage you to do is to start an extravagant prayer rule that will take an hour or so to complete. If you want to start spending more time alone with God, start small so that you will have more success and not burn yourself out trying to keep it up every day. Two minutes is easy, and you can do it even if you get up late. Look at it this way. If your goal is two minutes and you spend 30 minutes, you'll feel great and you'll want to continue. But if your goal is an hour and you only spend two minutes, then you feel like you failed and maybe you'll give up. One of the most beautiful lines of scripture is Psalm 42.1. As a deer longs for flowing water, so my soul longs for you, O God. That's how I want my life to be, and I hope you do as well. But unless we're called by God to do long sessions of prayer, starting small will give us momentum to grow. Number two, go to church regularly. When we miss church, the body of Christ isn't complete. I mentioned this in the third part of my Didache series. You know, the virus has shown people that they don't really need to go to church that often. We can stream it from our living rooms or just skip it altogether. Many times people make the mistake of thinking that we go to church to receive a blessing, that we go to church to be filled. And while those things are accomplished when we go to church, they're not the reason we go to church. We go to church to worship God because we love Him for what He has done for us. We go to church to share in the life of Christ with other Christian believers. For my listeners who are Orthodox Christians, you don't actually go to a church service. You go to a liturgy, which actually translates to the work of the people. 
making all the more accurate to say that we need to be there so the body of Christ is complete. Father Thomas Hopko said, You go to church to work. You don't go to church to be entertained. It's not food for thought. It's not rest and relaxation. It's not a trip into some escaping world of childhood where it's all pretty and nice. It's hard work to come to church, to stand there, to pay attention, to listen, and to bring it all in. We can also consider going to church regularly as accomplishing the number one goal of spending a little more time with Christ. So with this goal, it's a two for one if you're keeping score. Number three is understand what you believe. This one stems from a recent conversation with a young lady who approached a friend and me at Panera. We were talking about a book he had found on Orthodox churches in Ukraine. The young lady felt it necessary to inform us that the Orthodox church was a formation of man, and we should consider finding a true church to worship at. She also threw several Protestant churches in town under the bus, then handed us a tract and walked off. She wasn't interested in listening, just repeating what she had been trained to do. If my friend and I didn't understand what we believe, we could be swayed into doubting our church. If we weren't secure in our salvation, her track could have made us doubt where we stood with God. You know, I used to be like that young lady. I thought anyone who didn't believe like I do is at best doing Christianity wrong and at worst going to hell. Which all goes back to binary thinking, an us-against-them attitude. Slowly over time, year over year, God changed the way I saw other Christians, and even other religions. When we know what we believe, and why we believe it, and we are secure in that, we can accept that other people don't believe what we do. We don't have to defend our God to anyone. We can present the gospel to people who are not Christian, and if they are not open to it, it's okay. And we can accept that other Christians do it differently. And that's okay too. God is in charge, not me. One of the best ways to know what you believe is to read scripture a little bit a day. Read it slowly and understand what it says. You're getting scripture into your head and it's going to help you understand what you believe. Another way to understand what you believe is to write it down. Putting pen or pencil to paper is a great way to get your creative juices flowing and to see in your own words what you're thinking and feeling about your belief system. And, if you don't know exactly what you believe, find someone who shares your beliefs and listen to them or read their works and distill your beliefs from theirs. It all goes back to reading the Bible too. If you read the Bible and don't understand it, write that down as well. This will help you build a foundation that you can stand on for what you believe. Number four, trust God with everything. This one may be the hardest of all the goals. We say we trust God, but do we trust Him with everything? 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people. Trusting God has been an imperative for many people just to get by. Paychecks have been lost and homes have been forfeited. But through it all, God is still sovereign, whether we like to believe it or not. Long-term thinking requires us to trust God 
when right now looks really bad. I have tried and still try to get my way in most situations. I don't just say, thy will be done, and let the chips fall how they will. I force my will into each and every situation because I obviously know best, and I don't really want to bother God with this anyway. I mean, he's really busy. Maybe you do the same thing. Instead of praying and looking for God's will, we just move forward blindly, not caring for God's opinion in the subject. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. We filed bankruptcy in 2010 and lost our house and one car, which was the good car, but we lost it anyway. We lost that stuff not because God did something to us, but because of a cascade of bad choices we made for three years before that. But God was there. He picked us up, and we learned from our mistakes. He provided during that time. It wasn't ideal, but it was what we needed, not what we wanted. If we're going to trust God with everything, we have to be completely honest with Him. Our feelings and emotions drive us in a lot of ways. But God knows everything about us, and He still loves us. When we're angry or tired or lost for words, we can turn to Him and let it all out. We can trust Him with our emotions because He gave them to us and He loves us more than we will ever know. Finally, number five, take someone with you. Discipling and doing life together is a passion of mine. If there's one aspect of our Christian life I would like to help more people see, it is that we aren't supposed to do this alone. When we work with other people, we grow more than when we do it alone. I did a three-part podcast on being a disciple and discipling others, and I'll link to those in the comments. What it boils down to is this. Taking others along with us, first, keeps us accountable to someone else. Whether we're discipling or being discipled or just meeting with another Christian, we are accountable to them to do what we say. The second thing taking others along with us does is it gives us a person to encourage us when life isn't going like we planned. My life gets out of whack, and I need people who can see past my false self and help me correct my view. Like I said earlier, be completely honest with God and get someone in your life you can be completely honest with. I've seen a lot of Christians who were fine all of the time, and their worlds were falling apart. The Bible tells us to confess our sins to each other. That's not just a suggestion. We need people in our life who know us and who we can trust. I was told very early on my road to ministry that I couldn't be vulnerable with other people because they would use it against me. And today I'm okay with that. My life is an open book. I've talked about my struggles on this podcast. And if someone shares something I tell them in confidence, it just proves I'm human and I'm a sinner. People are people, so we have to adjust accordingly. 
You know, but the golden rule also applies here. In our interactions with others, if we want to have people in our life, we have to be the kind of person people want to be around. Act towards others the way you would like others to act toward you. I have a list of six things on the front screen of my phone that I want in my life. The reason it's on the front screen of my phone is so I can see it every time I get on my phone. The first thing on the list is to speak ill of no one. I know that if I talk bad about someone, it hurts me more than them. It also hurts my interaction with the person I'm saying it to. They will wonder if I am complaining about them to other people when they're not around. So I'm doubly sinning when I do it. Love God, love yourself, and love others. Find someone that you can take along this journey with you. I hope these five suggestions help as we get ready to start a new year. Find what works for you and do it. But do something to stretch your spiritual growth in 2021. Remember, trust God, love others, and don't be too hard on yourself. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.